the word of Christ from the Gospel of Luke. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of Christ from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, 
and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Father, your word is holy. And we pray that you would minister to us, your people, by your word. Holy Spirit, would you please move among us? Would you please minister to us according to the word of Christ? We pray in his name. Amen. Today we're walking toward yet another calendrical threshold. We reach the end of a calendar year and we anticipate the year 2024 that is to come, which begins, of course, at midnight. Many of us will stay up. We will probably celebrate. We'll probably eat too much. We'll enjoy some sweets. We might make toasts to one another. We might bring in the new year. Others might be lying in bed watching television or something and we'll doze off and wake up and the new year is already here. But however we celebrate, we're celebrating the marking of time, the passing of time from one calendar year into the next. And in a different sort of sense, all those that we read about in the passages of Scripture that we've read this morning here in the Gospel of Luke and then the Gospel of Matthew, they were also crossing a threshold of sorts in their lives. Mary had no children. Now she has her firstborn. Joseph had no children. And now he's going to be raising this son who he knows is not biologically his, but is entrusted to him nonetheless. They've crossed a threshold. Simeon, an old man, the text tells us. He's been waiting for the promise of God to him by the Holy Spirit to be fulfilled in his life. And as he's waiting, the Spirit leads him into the temple, crossing that threshold, and he sees the Christ child, the one for whom he had been waiting. We read of Anna. She had crossed many thresholds in her life. It mentions her virginity, her marriage. It mentions her widowhood, her husband passing away, and then those many years that have passed until then. And she's now, the text tells us, 84 years old, is anticipating the end of her days 
And there she is when the Christ child is in the temple. These magi, the wise men who come from the east, they are marking time as they watch the stars and they, and they read the scriptures and they study and they see what is taking place. They begin a long journey. And here they cross the threshold first into Jerusalem and they go before the king. And then next they cross the threshold into a humble house outside of Bethlehem. Herod, the king, paranoid, filled with power and envy and willing to kill even his own family members. He is crossing a threshold of sorts in his life. And then, of course, all of those innocent families in and around Bethlehem as they grieve the loss of life that has just begun. Their families had just recently celebrated and now... Their lives are filled with tragedy and anger and fear and terror. All throughout life, we cross thresholds. And of course, tonight, we cross this calendrical threshold that we do each year as we mark the passing of time with the turning of a calendar to a new year. Jesus enters the ordinariness of, of life in this world. And it's amazing the things that are said of him as he's, as he's entered into this world. We think of all of the mystery and the wonder of the nativity story and the miracle that it is and all the, the amazing things that happen surround it. And then we are, we're encountered by all of the ordinariness of a new baby in the world. He's given the name Jesus. He's circumcised on the eighth day. His parents have to go to the temple to make purification and to offer him up to the Lord as any good Jewish boy who was the firstborn would have been done during his time. Jesus enters into the ordinariness of travelers from out of town and staying in a hotel of sorts, living with family for an extended period of time as his parents have been displaced from Galilee down into the area of Judea. But then all sorts of things that are, in some sense, ordinary, but in another sense, extraordinary, begin to happen. Dreams and visions and words from the Lord and an escape down to Egypt that's unplanned, running away from danger. Because Jesus, in entering the ordinariness of life in this world, He enters also what is quite ordinary as well in this life, in this world. He enters our generally difficult, often pain-filled, and always complicated world. Life is always complicated, isn't it? Life is often filled with pain. And it's generally difficult. Whether it's another year or another week, Another Monday, another case of the Mondays. All of the difficulties and complications that come with life in the ordinariness of this world. All of the characters that we read about, whether it's Mary and Joseph or Simeon and Anna, the journey of the Magi, Herod and his desire for power, position, and to protect that power and position, 
And of course, these innocent, nameless families throughout Bethlehem and the surrounding region and their tragic loss. All of these lives are touched by difficulties and in some pain. All of the complications of life in this world. And the key to each of them seems to be whether they are looking for the kingdom or whether they are looking for the king. Simeon and Anna were looking for the king. They were looking for a person, a Messiah who was to come, the Lord's anointed, who was going to bring the consolation of Israel, the one who was to bring peace on earth. They were waiting for a person, not just a kingdom, a king, not just power and position and prestige and all that comes with it. Mary and Joseph were looking for this king who is coming, this baby that was promised to them. The Magi, of course, they left their homes, they left their typical work, and they began journeying not for a kingdom, but for a king. Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? And the text tells us that Herod and all of Jerusalem with him who were looking for the stability of the kingdom, looking not for the king, but for the kingdom. They're filled with angst and turmoil. Everything is being turned upside down. And so I ask you this morning as we continue making our way toward the threshold of 2024, What's your looking life like? There are certain centerpieces of our looking lives that the Lord gives us. The centerpieces of personal habits and the centerpieces of communal habits. The habits that we participate in when we're scattered and away and in our homes and in our works. And then those those personal habits, those communal habits that we celebrate and participate in as we are gathered back together. He's given us those personal disciplines of daily discipleship. Uh, Borrowing a title from one of Eugene Peterson's books, I urge you this morning to practice the long obedience in the same direction. That's what daily discipleship is like. A long obedience in the same direction. Set aside as we approach this new year, set aside time for scripture reading daily and weekly. I urge you, put together a Bible plan or sign up for a Bible plan to to read the Bible throughout the year. I've done it each of these last two years And I've been reading so much scripture in these two years that has enriched my heart and enriched my mind. I don't remember when I get to the end of the year every single thing that I've read. Of course not. I'm not studying at length every passage, but I am consuming it. I am listening to it. I am reading it. And wouldn't you know it, yesterday, listening to uh, the book of Revelation, I... um, Something occurred to me that I thought, I don't think I've ever even noticed that. I've done it these last two years. I've read it, the book of Revelation, countless times. And something stood out, I think like in chapter 16, that I thought, 
I don't know that that's ever occurred to me. That's interesting. Where did this come from? Practice that long obedience in the same direction. Setting aside time for scripture reading. Setting aside also time for prayer. Daily prayer, weekly prayer. Set aside times. Schedule it or it won't get done. It's interesting what the text tells us about these two, Simeon and Anna. And also what it, what it suggests about the Magi coming from the east. They were people who searched the scriptures. They were people who were sensitive to what the Lord was doing. They were people, Simeon it tells us, twice at least. That the Spirit is, has filled him and is leading him, directing him, guiding him. These are people of prayer and people of scripture. And I urge you, I urge you, as you make your resolutions and as you look to the things that you want to accomplish this next year, make sure to include Scripture reading and prayer in that. But also, there are those communal practices, the disciplines of interpersonal discipleship. Don't go it alone. The Christian life cannot be lived in isolation. It's not meant to be lived in isolation. And so have people in your life, whether it's people sitting at the table with you or people standing before you, me, put in your life people who can, who can journey with you. People who can encourage you, pray for you, who can lift you up, who can meet with you on a regular basis, who can suggest books and Hold you accountable for reading them and all those sorts of things. Don't go it alone. Go with some friends. Go with some others. Make sure if you're a Simeon, you've got an Anna in your life. Make sure if you're a Joseph, you've got a Mary in your life. Make sure if you're one of these Magi, you've got another Magi with you. We don't know how many there were. We assume three because the, the gifts that are mentioned are three in number. But there could have been 30. There could have been 300. There might have only been two. We know there were were more than one because it's a plural term. But don't go it alone. Band together. Join a small group. There are going to be small groups happening throughout this coming year. And I urge you, urge you, make use of them to the extent that you're able. They should not be a burden to you. They should be a blessing to you. Fellowship together, worship together, all those things that we do communally to disciple one another and to go the journey together, not alone. And I know, of course, I've just rattled off a whole list of things, a whole host of things that you're thinking, that's more to add to my list of things I've got to do? Is this too much? I urge you, though, I warn you, The only faith worth having is costly faith. If you're going to trust the Lord Jesus, it is going to cost you something. It is going to cost you time and energy. It's going to cost you. Walking together toward another calendrical threshold, we often, I've already mentioned it, we often make New Year's resolutions. And it's interesting about New Year's resolutions. 
Some of us have gotten into there's kind of a fad to not make them because you know you're not going to keep them anyhow. I saw a meme this week that said, hey, those of you who fell off the bandwagon of your New Year's resolution to read the Bible this year, we know you fell off on it in, uh, in February, but here's how you'll finish up. You've still got time. And it was like the last four days of this year. You're going to read from, you know, from, from Exodus through Job. Then you're going to read from Psalms. And it was, it was really funny because this was doable, but almost impossible. <laughs> it can be done, but it's almost impossible. But those, those resolutions that we make, they often reveal a bit about us. They show what's important. To us, They reveal our priorities to others and to ourselves. They show to us what are the things that occupy our minds. Whether it's to lose weight or eat better or exercise more or save up some money or read my Bible or whatever it might be. I remember the kids... Uh, for years, it was, I'm going to try a different kind of bean this year. And, you know, things like that. Those are the things that are of, like, supreme value in a young life, right? I want to diversify, diversify my bean portfolio. <laughs> but they do reveal what we're thinking about and what we care about. And it's interesting that humans are not just rational animals, We are not just people who think and reflect. We do that, and that's interesting. But we're also characterized by desire and longing. We are loving animals. We are worshiping, you might say, animals. And so the question is, what do you desire? For what do you long in life? More often than not, what you desire most especially is that which captures and holds your attention, your gaze, your looking, what you look at. We lean toward those things that we want. Our eyes stay fixed on those things that we desire. And so I ask you again, what's your looking life like? As we say goodbye to 2023, as we say hello at midnight to 2024, yes, make your resolutions if you want. Prioritize those things in your life that you say are priorities in your life. Mark them down. Mark them somewhere where you can look them up a little bit later. Mark them up. Mark them down where you can look them up in February when you know you started lapsing. But make sure that what you're looking for is not just a kingdom, not just a system, not just a life that's well lived and a life that's neatly ordered. But make sure that you're looking for the king, for the one who can put life in order, for the one who can put life back together. For the one who can provide stability and peace in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all the insecurities and uncertainties of life. It's going to take you time. It's going to take time. It's going to take prioritized time. A couple of years ago, I don't know if he remembers it or not. I haven't asked him since it happened, but Aiden and I spent like two or three hours on New Year's Eve out under the stars. Just lying down on the ground, 
just looking up. I've got this Stargazer app on my phone, and we were just looking at all the constellations and whatnot. And every once in a while, we'd look down at the ground and see what's on the other side. And it was fascinating. But it, we, we spent like two or three hours out there, and it was cold. And I'd run in and grab a couple of blankets and bring them out, and we'd just keep watching. What's your looking life like? Are you looking to Jesus? Are you looking for the King? Or are you just looking for the kingdom? Are you willing to spend some time and some energy this year looking for Jesus? I've said it for years now, and I often say it multiple times around the holidays and around New Year's. And I'll say it again. Don't miss Jesus. Because if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. Look to Him. Father, we pray that You would help us to do indeed just that. Help us to cast our gaze toward Your Son, Jesus. Help us to search for Him in the Scriptures. Help us to search for Him in setting aside time in our lives for prayer and reflection and community together. Lord, help us to look to Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen.